What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? It gives me great pleasure to welcome you back once again to Fighting Fire with Fire, the AJ Rose Show. And on the other line, making his return appearance after a long, far too long hiatus, it's my boy, Robbie White. Robbie, say hi to the people. What's up, world? How y'all living? How y'all doing? Hope everything's good with y'all. Now, to, to date, Robbie... The podcast that I did with you is has the most listens on SoundCloud because that is you fucking thrilling. Yeah. Listen, it's cause you're you're an up and coming rap phenomenon. We just you know I the, wouldn't say all that. The the the, the, mean, the, the, the up and the coming is you know, a little slower than one might like, but that's okay. It's okay. It's all about the progress. We just the process. We, trust the process. I yeah, always, <laughs> <laughs> always trust the process. So we just talked about the Drake and the album More Life for like twenty minutes just to warm up to talking about get out and you know, sometime in the near future, hopefully, maybe when this Gorillas album drops, we can just I can just have you and uh, on to talk about the genius of Damon Albarn and some of the songs that just got released today. Ugh. Yes. We can go down a whole rabbit hole. But I needed to talk to you about this movie because uh you can you can understand this, Robbie. I, I came out of the movie theater and I was like I have to talk to a black person about this. For sure, yeah, hundred percent. Like I, like I couldn't. I was like, if I sit here and and call up any number of my friends who who I whose opinions about movies and culture and whatnot that I trust implicitly, if I call up one of my white friends and we sit here and talk about Get Out for a half hour, it's just not gonna feel like like what we can only talk about so much. So I wanted to ask you a couple questions to set it up. And then really just sort of ask you to try and articulate what it was like to see this <laughs> as a black person, which I know is impossible to describe to oh, yeah, a non-black person, you know? Well, let, let's put it let's put it this way. Um, I mean, I'm, uh, you want to want to drag this out many questions, or you would just rather me answer this like flat out what it was like well, to see? Well, like, so so stuff. so I wanted to ask you first: uh, Did you see it in a movie theater that like where like? Did you see it in the movie theater in your town? Well, I saw it. Um, I saw it two times. I'm I'm actually gonna see the third probably uh, via one, two, three movies on the internet. Sorry, um, for, you know, pirating your movie, Jordan Peele. But I did pay to see it twice. Yeah. Um. So I, the first time I seen it was on the uh, it was on Friday night. Uh, I actually went with Maria, who, for those who don't know, she is uh, she's Greek American. So she is. Uh, so it, it was. It's not like you know. It's an interracial relationship, but it's not like right. You didn't take. You didn't take a white boo. You did not take a white boo. Exactly. Exactly. She wasn't. Some people would label it white, I guess, but she's not really white to me. Um, but it was interesting because the entire theater. This was like the outskirts of like. It was pretty much like inner city DC, but it wasn't really in the city. But the theater represented an inner city DC. So majority, when I walked in that theater, it was majority black people. Like I want to say 80, 85%, maybe more of theater was black. Mm. And the rest was, you know, it was like a few white faces. I don't even know if they were truly white people. They could have been, you know, like whatever. Other race, yeah, whatever. They just, I'm saying white faces, but it was majority black. So the first time i seen it that was what the atmosphere was and i was nervous because not more so i'm like oh i'm thinking people are gonna cause a race riot but i'm nervous because i was just like man like i was just feeling as though i was like man this is truly a movie i already knew beforehand it's gonna you know speak a lot to a thomas heavily just heavily impacted by race so mm-hmm. i was like this might could be a bit uncomfortable maybe not but i was also very excited the second time i seen it um it was more so a diverse crowd i seen a lot of white people there it was a, it was a mixed crowd but seeing 
looking at myself as a black person, it speaks to, first of all, how great of a writer Jordan Peele is. Mm, because, mm, mm. you know, the first time you watch this as a black man, a lot of those things, I think, I'm going to say this, for those who haven't seen it, spoiler alert. Yes, we, I was going to say, we're, we're, we're going to spoil the bejesus out of the movie, so we yeah, gotta, so we'll yeah, get that out of the way right this, now. If you haven't seen the movie, cut the shit off right now and watch it. <laughs> Go see it. I feel as though, like, the auction scene, AJ, is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. With the bingo cards? The first, yes, because the first time you see it, a lot of this shit is microaggressions that you suffer as a black person. Mm-hmm. And, you, and the thing is, when you watch it a second time, you realize, holy shit, these weren't microaggressions. These people were literally sizing him up so right. they, could, they could buy his body. And that was the great, when I figured out, I was like, yo, this is the greatest shit ever because I can't tell you how many times, like, I went to, of course, me and you went to Galveston together, so, you know, right. there's a lot of white people there who are, like, inadvertently racist. They're really nice people and they're, like, they're quote-unquote liberals, but they don't mean to be racist. They just, they, they want to go out their way to show they're not racist so they right. can racist shit. They say, the uh, they thing, say I would have voted for Obama a third Obama, time if I exactly. could. Or it's like oh, I went to before Gaucho, I went to Boys Latin, which is uh, a predominantly uh, white slash Jewish school. Mm-hmm. And it's like a really prestigious all boys school. So it was like like black kids are like three percent, four percent of there. I love Boys Latin. Shout out to Boys Latin. But, you know, it's like it's you experience all these uh, these people who really don't come into contact with black people a lot. So they don't know how to really have that interaction. Mm-hmm. So seeing that auction scene on screen, uh, auction scene on screen, I would just like, man, like it really put me in an element of just like, yo, I've experienced this all this before. I've experienced white people touching my hair and be like, oh, my God, what does it feel like? Or just, you know, what I'm saying like all these yeah. different things are like it almost it feels like you're being it doesn't feel like you're being sized up, but it feels like you're almost like a unicorn and people wanted to study you as such, you know? Like, oh my God, what is this? Like, what is this? Let me see, let me see. And then I, that, so I say that to say a lot of those things that happen in that movie, I've experienced, if not the same exact way, right? something very synonymous with it. And then I feel as though, like I said, it touches upon how great of a writer Jordan Peele is because if you watch the movie, you know, um, What's the guy's uh, Chris, the main character? Yeah, the main character. You can see him like he's not as shocked as Rose was pretending to be. You know, right. Because when she was like, remember when the white lady asked him like, "Oh, is it better?" You know, she was more so shocked, but Chris was just like he was like you know a little a little taken back. But right. you can tell every black person, especially who's been around, you know, who's dealt with uh, th- being around white people, with has felt this before. So we sort of know how to like how to how to gauge it. But it makes me it, the movie really scared the shit out of me. I th- the second I th- time watching it, it's be- I'm sorry. No, go ahead. You scared it scared you the second time. It scared me more the second time because it was like, yo, anybody could any black guy could be put in this situation and brush all this shit off and not realize that, like, yo, you're in more grave danger than you think because you think it's just a microaggression, but really, like, you're in some deeper shit than it's just people not understanding you being black. Right. And I thought Daniel Kaluuya, I think that's how you pronounce his name, who played uh, Chris. Yeah, I believe so. He he absolutely nailed the little like uh, half smile, the ha ha type thing that you do that 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 I've I've seen before when when you're uh, when when a per- when someone like yourself, Robbie, is in a in a scenario where you're in a mostly white scenario and someone says something really microaggressive, and you you can't just sort of call a spade a spade. You have to be like. Ah, haha! You know, you've got to sit there and just, and just absorb it. it. And yeah. I thought that, as someone who hopefully 
you know, g- granted, granted, as you you described Goucher, the, the college we went to as a college of mostly white liberals, and that's true, white liberals who, d- d- whether they're consciously or subconsciously racist, it's it's one of the two, and you're gonna be microaggressive, you know, at some time or another. As someone who I think does it. A little less than other people, I hope. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say so. I would definitely say so for sure. <laughs> like my microaggressions are a little fewer and further between. Hopefully, maybe. I don't, I, I, but it's also because AJ, the thing is, like, I feel as though, and this is what not even just black and white culture, any culture. The more you understand or you know about that culture, whether you because I feel as though you know a lot about black culture because how big of a music fan you are. Mm-hmm. So you sort of learn that way, like, okay, this is cool, this is not cool. And it opens you up to learning about a lot about other things about black people that you probably wouldn't previously have sought after just because of how big of a fan you are of, 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 of hip-hop culture. But I feel as though when you are so disassociated from that culture, such as think of a white liberal who doesn't listen to hip-hop, who doesn't really, you know... Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't play really basketball. Play basketball, interact with black people, they're more so driven away from it. So they don't know, not driven away, but they're so like far apart from it. They don't know what the do's and don'ts are. So I feel like it's one of those things in this get out get out speaks on it a lot that the more that we live in this this racially driven time and more so or are more so it's it's almost like promoted for us to be, you know, separated and isolated from each other. The more we do that, the more we fail to understand each other. I, I was saying that the the most that someone like myself can do I've always thought, you know, as as the years at Goucher went by and we were hearing about the different police shootings, uh, Michael Brown and Ferguson and et cetera, the, that the, the, the most someone like myself could do was to understand that I can't understand, right? Was to, to comprehend that you can't possibly know what it's like to be black on a day-to-day basis. So because of just every little microaggression that you happen upon every single day. So... By the same token, watching this movie and me and my boy Dan, who's Hispanic, we went and saw that movie and we were both just incredibly blown away by how much, how how horrifying it was just on an empathetic level to try and watch it and then not being able to, 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 to even comprehend what it could have been like to see that movie, A, as a black person and B, as a theater full of black people to, to, to have that be put on screen and now for it to be the number one movie well it was the number one movie before beauty and the beast but like for it to for it to for it to be a cultural touchstone moment a movie that i think is going to get nominated for best picture next year i really i truly i truly believe it and for it to be written Jordan Peele said he wrote it in the Obama era and wrote it about the post-racial lie that America was telling itself that oh Obama got elected so there's no such thing as racism anymore which which was a bunch of crap which is not true yeah, right not true and so he wrote it for the Obama era but it ends up being this perfect thing to come out in the first two months of this <laughs> this waking nightmare of a Trump era uh, you know the thing that's you off go ahead go the ahead thing that gets me this even scarier i said like again the second time was a lot more scary than the first time is again if you look at the um what was their name the armitage family i think the, the, armitage, the white yeah. family who, yeah that made them more scarier than anything in this whole selective cult of people who were doing behind the auction and it wasn't that that's the thing that makes it scary i think jordan because i've seen the same interview i think you're talking about um when he said he made it for the obama era 
is these people weren't racist, AJ. Like, they weren't really ra- I, I think you could argue the dad was when he was, like, comparing them to the deer. Remember, he was like, you know, oh, I want all of them out the ecosystem. Remember that? Like that Yeah, the first, the, fir- the first thing he says when he walks in, yeah. Yeah, but I think the thing is about it is they weren't, you could argue that was racist, but these people aren't racist. Think about it. They want to put themselves in black bodies to further use them. So I feel as though, in that sense, that's not really, it's almost envious in a sense, where it's like, and that's what makes it scary. It's now, like these appa- people- also apparently Peel originally wrote, the the idea was not for it to be, you know, racist. It was sort of the, the, the principal sci-fi idea of taking a body and transferring it to another body for further usage. Didn't have anything to do with race. It was just a perfect thing to apply the race to. Right. And that's what makes it scary to me is like it, it, it takes back on again with liberals. It's like, yo, these people don't necessarily really are more like they're scarier than the KKK because the, the KKK was just more so like, yo, we want to just kill you all. You know, it's like, no, we don't want to kill you. We want to use you for further usage. And I feel as though like that might be a testament of what's going on with America. It's scarier because it's like, no, we don't want to kill you and, you know, and, and, and make you suffer. No, we want to use you. And I feel like it touches more of what's happening with America. Where it's like, we'll turn our back to all these police brutalities and police shootings. We'll turn our back to all the, the, the girls and all the blacks that have been kidnapped. And uh, the, the young men and women and, and, and just older. It's, it's, it's been all demogra- uh, all age groups. For uh, It's been happening in D.C. with the kidnappings that's been going on. All these missing people. We'll turn our back to all your, your troubles and your trials. But, oh, we'll love to see you rap for us and perform for us on stage. Or you act for us. Or you dribble a basketball or run a football, you know? And that's what's even scarier to me. It's I, I I'm glad to hear you you talk about these things. I uh I wanted to ask about because as as horrifying uh, and again I can't really think about it, but for for as as abominable and horrifying as the first m- most of the movie is, how I wanted to ask how cathartic is it to have those last twenty minutes when Chris, you know, uh very poignantly uh uses cotton oh god brilliant uses cotton to put it in his ears and sort of uh uh not get hypnotized again and then goes on this rampage how 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 was it in the theater when chris goes on his rampage at the end what was the like vibe in the theater for that that was the one thing was really alarming for me but it was like it was it was it was of course it's like it's always good to see not even on a racial standpoint but it's always good to see like when you think the the the, the main character is on the ropes and you think you know it's all over for him and then he comes back and you know has a happy ending um i would say from my personal standpoint again the first time watching it i was i got nervous because you know it was i'm gonna say i don't want to say ghetto i don't like using the word ghetto but it was more so a lot of like you know of of the more of the 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 ignorant crowd so a lot of more louder people talking to the movie you know a lot more of a certain dialogue being used you know what i'm saying like that kind of crowd so i felt more uncomfortable for the few you know the few i would say white or not black faces there because it's just like okay all these people are getting rowdy at seeing white people get killed and i'm like i I instantly thought of oh you ever seen the Django unchained of course you have right 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 at the end of Django. you you remember at the the end when he's killing all the slave masters and shit i'll never forget when i had seen um 
me and Marcus seen this like high as fucking parakeet nuts. And like I looked over to my right when Django was just killing all these slave owners. And like and I see these two this white couple just look mortified. Like everybody <laughs> just like <laughs> they look so frightened and like all these black people like just cheering for all these, you know, these white people get killed. And I'm like, man, I really feel bad for y'all because it's like they, you can tell it was deeper than just the film. They were like actually worried, like this was gonna translate into real life. So that was the same feeling that I got with. Uh, you, you can hear me still, right? Yeah. That was the same feeling. I was worried. I was thinking about like, man, I feel bad for you know all these people like that's not black and watching this happen. They could probably feel worried. But then you end up finding out that it's like it's really you know it's it's. First of all, it's not over because the one thing is, you know, after he he runs outside and he, you know, uh, the grandma that was in uh, inside of Georgina's yep. body, yep. after he crashed the car, you know, and then um, brilliant, the, brilliant, by the way, having like uh, they just sort of don't they don't even have to tell you about they just slip it in that once they tell you about the procedure, then they just call Georgina and the other the groundskeeper, grandma and grandpa, and you just have to you just get yeah, it. Well, you automatically assume that, and even then, I was one of the first people I know. For me, I pointed out. Remember before the the uh, the auction happened? You remember you seen Georgina and um and Walter like greeting the like all the people that were coming out of the uh, right of the, of the and even then I was like that's the weirdest fuck that like they're greeting them like they've known them for years and then I found out that, that was the case. But um yeah, it was like the thing is remember when uh when the guy from the TSA showed up? Rod showed up. Yeah, Rod, and like first of all, he's the, the that dude is hilarious, and his character is just so it's it's so necessary. I it's feel like, it's in that it movie. is it is the the biggest breath of fresh air, and it's it's amazing how many times I laughed in that theater despite the subject matter of the movie. And I feel as though like we could this will be a thing after I say this, like we can discuss what the because I feel like his character is more than just comedic release, but right, I feel as though like. You know, that was another thing that touched upon where it was like, yo, like, okay, you see this man, you know, get out the house, you're rooting for him. And then it touches back on another thing where it's like, you, we think the cops showed up and everybody in the movie go, like, you hear them even gas and go, oh, shit, because you think it's over for him, you right. know? And that touches, I think, a lot back on to, it talks on the social injustice in the relationship between us as an African-American man and our relationship with the police. Think about it. In that situation, Chris was completely, like, innocent. He was, you know, defending himself and from something terrible happening from him. And then as soon as he sees the police, what's the first thing he does? Puts his hands up. And I thought that uh, apparently Jordan Peele also said that originally he, that was going to that was gonna yeah. be the cops. And that yeah. he didn't, and this is a very, it's perfect because of what you just said. He says, because as, as, as soon as the movie audience, black, white, or otherwise, sees those flashing lights, then the horror of that hits immediately. We know exactly what that would mean if it was the cops. We know exactly what that's how that would play out. And, and this... And it speaks a lot to real life because imagine, and I kept thinking watching it the second time, like, yo, imagine if, let's just switch roles, let's switch roles, imagine if this was, you know, Chris's family, a black family doing this, and, and the white girl, Rose, was the main character. Mm-hmm. We would be like, yes, he gets help, you know, and we would be happy, we'd be so relieved. And it's like, you know, and it speaks a lot, again, to the real life injustice because it's like, damn, like, that's 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 what it is. That's and it's not it's not even something that can be disputed or questioned. That's just what it is, and it's sad that it is that. Yeah, and uh, I also really enjoyed him, uh, them pointing out, like uh, uh, Chris pointing out the the very real question of how did you find me, and then Rod saying 
because I'm T.S. motherfucking A. <laughs> Uh, I, I I just think that that character is is like even if that dude doesn't go on to have a spectacular career, and I hope he pops up in a bunch of different movies over the next couple of years. Uh, what's his name? Mm, uh, Lil Rel, <laughs> Lil Rel Howery. I I really want him to pop up uh, a couple a couple in, in in like lots of movies over the next year or two. Just just essentially as Rod. Um, for sure, for sure. I also th- and also the one thing I wanted, like Nash, you said that. I'm sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. The one thing why I think Raw's character is more than just comedic relief, which is again a testament to how great of writing Jordan Peele is. I feel as though oh, he has. Um, I feel as though Rod is a te- like he really is. He's he's a more so a personification of the black man's conscience. And when I say you, you can hear me, right? Yep. When I say that is because. You know, I've been in a fair share of interracial, uh, inter- interracial relationships, and you know, always as a black man, I think I can you know speak for a lot of black men who's who's been in interracial relationships, interracial relationships, especially with white women. Is it's always that voice in the back of your head, and it also depends on where you were raised and how you were raised. But me being raised in the inner city, and you know, mostly being around black people, it, it's a testament to like I think raw is a testament to like our conscience where you go. Okay, you're in a new a new area. You don't know none of these white people. You don't know what's going on, how things are going. But you know, again, you try to be Chris on the surface, where you know, just hit them with the awkward smile, just you know, try to play cool, play everything all right, and then your conscience is screaming like raw, where it's like, yo, what's going on? They gonna you know? make you a sex slave. <laughs> <laughs> and it's no, it's that's real shit. And I'm like, yo, a lot of times, again, seeing so you know, the second, the second, uh, watching it, analyzing it again, I was just like, yo, I, it was a part of me. It was like, yo, Raw could have easily just been like a figment of his, of Chris's imagination, you know. But and say he was actual, uh, uh, you know, a great supporting character. But that's a lot of times one thing that black men often worry about at, at certain times where it's like, you know. You're like, yo, you don't know this family. You don't know what the fuck they're going on out there and what's happening. And again, I feel like while we say, you know, the microaggressions that was, you know, coming from the white side can be expressed that way. I feel as though a lot of times they're also that's that's a rod is a microaggression as well, you know, because and again, that goes back to me saying the more you are disassociated with people, the furthest away you are from, you don't understand them. So you automatically assume the worst. I also uh, thought that Rod is a bit of uh, an audience surrogate because he's saying what we want the the he, he's expressing what we want somebody to say at a certain point. Like uh, the the one of the best most the biggest laughs of the whole movie is when uh, he's talking to Allison Williams, who by the way uh, I'd only seen on the HBO show Girls before this. Allison Williams uh, is a a knockout. B uh, was a great acting performance in this movie, especially when she drops her whole rose routine. Um, she's pretty good. And then when she's on the phone uh, with Rod and pretending to be all upset and then realizes that Rod's sort of figuring this stuff out and he goes, uh, wait a second, I'm confused too, and puts it on mute and is like, you lying, lying little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> You, you you immediately the audience gets behind him but you and and 
at that point, I think you, you see that he maybe he's going to be the person who helps Chris out, but you forget about it as Chris is making his escape. You don't really think about Rod as Chris is killing the brother, killing the the dad, killing the mom. And I also wanted to uh, give a little bit of props to Bradley Whitford and Catherine Keener, who played the mom and the dad. I thought they were spectacular. Uh, oh, they were in awesome. a- a- act as you know. Bradley Whitford doing his spiel about the deer and then uh, Catherine Keener during the whole hypnotism scene and the sunk the sunk I also wanted to ask you about the sunken place and whether uh, Jordan Peele tweeted out a couple weeks ago he said you know we are in the sunken place this is what this America is this is what the reality is now Um, and to ask you whether like to what degree do you find that accurate well, I seen that tweet exactly what you're talking about. He's like, "Would the sunken place be marginalized, right, in America?" Right. That's exactly right. Um, well, I feel as though it's true, and then I also feel as though I looked at it when before seeing that tweet, the sunken place was because if you realize, like when when the quote unquote person who owns the body is in the sunken place, they're just in the very you know they're 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 there, they exist, they just can't do anything about it. But if you ever notice on the surface or like uh, uh, taking away the whole movie context of it. All it is is acting, quote-unquote, more white, you know? Think of Andre and the guy that he was, his, who took over his body, quote-unquote, Logan. Think of it, all those those people were, you know, their dialogue changed, they, they spoke, you know, a lot more, um, they, they didn't speak in slang, they spoke a lot more, quote-unquote, proper. So I feel, you can still hear me, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I loved uh, Lakeith, Lakeith Stanfield, who's... Oh, killed it. And I, I really, really wanted to yell, because he's in the very opening scene when he gets taken, I wanted to yell Darius as loud as I possibly could, because uh, I love him. <laughs> I love him on Atlanta so, so, so much. He's so good, Atlanta. But yeah, I feel as though, like, the sunken place is really all of us. Think about it. When I go into, you can, you know, here I speak now, and it's 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 virtually the same while I speak with my friends, and, you know, you being my friend, you know, I speak with you, but then... I speak a lot more proper when I'm in a job interview or somewhere of prestige, you know? Mm-hmm. And I put on that same face where it's yes, sir, no, sir, you know? And it's just, I feel as though that's what the sunken place or not exactly the sunken place. That is what, that is what the, when those characters are in the sunken place, that's what it represents is when, you know, a black person who might have a certain level of swag and certain level where they carry themselves is when they get in front of, you know, someone of higher power that happens to probably be white. They switch their whole character up just like that. So yeah. I feel as though that's what that is a true testament to. Mm-hmm. Damn. That's excellent. See, this is why I needed to have you on, Robbie. Damn it. Well, I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, so I, man. I, I would rather not be anywhere else. <laughs> then on Fighting Fire with Fire, the AJ Rowe show. God damn it. Uh, God damn I, it. I, so you saw it a second time. You're going to see it a third time. Do you think... For sure. Do you, like... Ah... Uh, I wish I wish I had prepared a little bit more and had a few more questions. Uh, do you think that a it, 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 what what, uh, what do you think it would take for I I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to phrase the question, Robbie. Is it because uh, just ask it if that's the if you just gotta ask it if that's the case? Uh, like what 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 to what even a small degree? How could you change? what the the reality of the situation is when you were talking about the police lights and how the it's it is just an accepted thing that that is the way it is and it is the way it is that if you're 
uh, quote unquote ghetto black person and you're going in for a job interview with a white employer that you're going to, to yes or no, sir, it up. Uh, right. What, what, changes what especially in the given the current political climate and the current administration what how could that possibly change anywhere in the near future is it just sort of a reality that has to be uh explained to people and that's the first step that people have to get it first before things change or is it something that it's one of those things aj where i, I can i already know where you're gonna uh, you, you want to finish the rest of the question no 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 no, no 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 you go you go I already, it's one of those things where it's, it's two ways. The pessimist in me wants to say, yo, it's not changing. It's just like, because it's like on both sides, the, you know, the black side or, you know, the, the more, the, 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 you know what I'm trying to say, like the more, you know, the, the inner city kind or just that, that side, they're, they're really not going to, you know, and they shouldn't because that's who they are. They're not going to really change to be more proper. That's why if that was the case, it would be more people excelling out of the inner cities and out of those environments. But the thing is, those people are going to be who they are. And the same thing that happens with the people that's of establishment or of power. They're not going to change who they are, especially because they're like, yo, we're the ones with the money. We're the ones with the prestige, the power, and all that. So why do we have to change, you know? So I feel as though the pessimist in me is like, neither side is going to really be accepting of one another. And it's just always going to be that until this world collapses. Um, you can hear me still, right? Yep. Okay. The optimist in me it says that the change starts, and this is going to sound so cliche, but the change starts with us with us internally and just saying and being more accepted and that's why i kept saying you know the thing with microaggressions is and, and microaggressions are the biggest sign that change can happen is because again a lot of white people who have microaggressions aren't necessarily trying to be racist that they are racist because they're not trying to be racist you know so it's a thing of we have to start learning each other and while this nation is constantly being you know torn apart and separated by race it's and, and as well as other things such as class and standing, I feel as though the more we try to like separate each other with the middle class, the low class, high class, or, or by which what you know what race you are, or what is your gender preference, what is your sex preference, instead of trying to separate you know put each other in a box, how about we learn more about each other so that way we can have a better understanding? That's that's the, that's where it starts, AJ. For real, that's where it starts. It, it starts with us, you know, with the cops thinking oh i'm so high and mighty you have to listen to me right now and, and you know and you know put your hands on the car and you know just being so hostile and you know having that way because they're they are of a higher a more so a higher power than a regular citizen is but it starts with people getting rid of their egos that's the best way i can i can i can put it in layman's terms everybody getting rid of their fucking egos and let's try to understand each other but until that happens it's gonna be the same thing uh, that was that was. I think that's a very good, poignant note to 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 leave this podcast. I think that uh, Jordan Peele made this, wrote and directed this movie as a very uh, uh, shocking, uh, in your face way to get a conversation started. Right. That's all because that's because that's because that's probably the the most logical first step is conversation. And conversation. That's and that's where it's going to start at. It's a conversation leads to action happening. Action leads to the actual right. change happening. But I mean, again, I think even as great as this movie is, it's showing you know what's actually going on. The thing is, how much of this behavior has changed reality? With the number one movie, you know, bringing in this crazy budget and from it happening, and that's what the pessimist is me and saying is like you know because. 
it's a part of me was just thinking like, yo, once Get Out happens, you know, okay, now we understand what's going on. Now we can further act on it as individuals. But in reality, like, it's probably, it's, it's just not, it's, it's just, it's one of those things where a lot of people walked away, whereas like, me and you walked away with a message in it and understand the message. A lot of people just walked away, probably the majority of people just walked away like, oh, that was cool, had a message, really good movie. Okay, what's next? Yeah. And that's what sucks about it. I, I, I am very, very, very glad that I hit you up about this, not only because I love talking to you about things like this, but because I like talking to you in general, Robbie. And I think, hey, uh, look at, look at, look at, look at hey, hey, look at that. I think Jordan Peele would be happy about it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's only, it's only, uh, I haven't had too many interracial podcasts, you know what I mean? And, well, uh. This is a good start. I think this is a great start. <laughs> we got to have you back to talk about and oh, whoa, 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 whoa. We didn't even talk about the fact that the most perfect way to set the tone for this movie is the song Redbone. Uh, getting used in the beginning of the movie. I wanted to ask you what you what was going through your mind when they're showing the montage as they're playing Redbone in the very beginning of that movie. Well, I'm going to say this. It got spoiled for me through multiple sources because Chance the Rapper, Cough Cough, being one of them. I, right. think he, I think he mentioned it being in there in the beginning. If not, no, he actually, no, it wasn't Chance. Oh, I'm sorry. Chance, I didn't. No, it's not your fault. Chance actually recommended people see the movie. It's a good movie. But um, I forgot. It got spoiled to me different. I think I, because I'm a huge Redditor, believe it or not. So I was on Reddit and I think somebody had put, and yeah, I actually was on Reddit trying to, uh, find them find out more about the alien theory with uh you know awaken my love which fucking gambino just left us on a cliffhanger with of course but uh, um i was trying to read more on that theory can you, you can hear me still right yep i was trying to read more on that theory and then somebody had ended up you know making a subreddit up and, and that reddit about uh about get out and was like you know red bones using this and then i seen it in different other places so i knew it was gonna be somewhere in the movie i just didn't know where i would have liked to not known at all but I mean, with that being said, um, first of all, it's a fucking amazing song, arguably probably the best song on that album. But just having it in there, just feeling it, like it, it gives that song so much more power. Yeah. I oh my god, I can't, I can't listen to, I can't listen to "Stay Woke." Uh, they creeping, they gonna find you, catch you sleeping, and not think about uh, and I think about Chris, you know, Chris sitting in that chair. Exactly. <laughs> and the thing is, like, the thing is, I feel as though that's. Well, all of us, you know, in a sense, whereas these times are like changing really, and it's like some hard times we live in. I feel as though that's one thing not only for us as African Americans, but just people in general need to be aware of. Everybody in general, everybody as a working class citizen needs to be general of like, yo, like it's 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 a cliche. The phrase is sad. The, the phrase "stay woke" has become a cliche. Yes, yes, it's, it's like, become saturated. Yes, it's become saturated. But at the same time, it's like, yo. People need to really wake up and just be aware of what's happening around them, whether it be what's happening with your government, whether it be what happened with your law enforcement, whether it be happening with what you're watching and what you're digesting and listening to every day. But it's just, you know, that's one of those things where it is it's great. And it's, it's awesome because Gambino made that song. Maybe not, but he, I think he made that song with a different context in mind, but it works perfectly for this one. Yep, absolutely. Which is get up. Robbie, before before I let you go, do you have anything you want to plug? Maybe uh, 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 your SoundCloud page with with Marcus, the Just Us page. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you guys can go to SoundCloud.com/slash Alive Not Living. That's spelled how it actually is spelled. Um, not in Ebonics. 
Um, soundcloud.com <laughs> slash alive not living. Um, some new music coming up there. I think since the last time we talked, AJ has definitely been uh, some new music. Um, I mean, my partner has put out a, a project on there called Lucky to Be Alive, and it's been getting a, a good amount of uh, plays on there. So, if you guys want to check that out and hear what my artistry is like, my rapping, my riggedy riggedy rapping, um, you know, check that out. It ain't, it ain't wiggity wiggity whack. Definitely not. Not by a long shot. As always, you can listen to all episodes of Fighting Fire with Fire at SoundCloud.com slash Fighting Fire with Fire. Give us a rating and review on iTunes, unless you don't like us, in which case stay away from the ratings and the reviews, but hopefully you liked us. You can follow The AJ Rose Show on Twitter, at The AJ Rose Show, and you can hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat, at A Jeremy Rose. Robbie, say bye to the people. Bye, people. Uh, We're going to have you on very shortly. But until then, for Robbie White, I'm AJ Rose. This has been Fighting Fire with Fire. We'll see you guys next time. Cheers.